Hello and welcome to Into the Black Archive. This is episode four of the Doctor Who podcast where myself and a very firm friend try to get through every Doctor Who episode starting from 1963 all the way to the present day. My name's James Stevenson and the person you hear unable to keep their laughter in check is (laughs) Owen Cranston. Owen, what are you laughing about this time? um, This is our like fourth attempt of recording this. I don't know why. I just keep laughing. We've been attempting to record this now. We've been recording for 20 minutes. Yeah, well, that's mainly tangentializing. But this laughter thing is crazy. It's coming out of nowhere. Anyway, I've sorted. I've finished. I can contain myself now. You feel calm? I think so. I think I can do this. Okay. Well, if you think you can do this, why don't you tell the lovely listeners at home what episode we've got to and what it's about? So we are getting, we are now beyond the halfway point of what remains of season one. We're on episode four, The Keys of Marius. So as we mentioned last episode, we are not going to be watching Marco Polio because it doesn't exist and we don't really want to do it without getting full experience. So if an animated version of it does come out while we're producing this podcast, we'll probably come back and watch it there. But until then, we're sticking with the stuff that we've still got left. So, Owen, do we want to do our synopsis challenge again? Or Because I could you even get this into 60 seconds? It's a lot. Before we do that, I want to discuss something else. Yes? I want to discuss Big Finish, because I've recently gotten into Big Finish. You have gotten into Big Finish. I've never really done a deep dive into them, to be honest. So I did it many years ago without realising what Big Finish was. I had a few. I didn't like them. But I've just recently discovered there's a lot lo- of Ape Doctor stuff on, on Spotify. So I've just been listening to, to them. And I really like them. I'm really into the Ape Doctor. I have heard very good things about it. For, doc- for, for first Dalek story, it starts off with a Dalek story and it's very good. It's very good. I'm loving it. Didn't they do... I'm trying to think, was it around the time where they did the Dalek story that ended up becoming Dalek? Because I know that that was a big Finnish production in, originally that Robert Sherman wrote. No, um, it's oddly a lot more similar to the most recent New Year's one, where we have oh, two oh, opposing Oh, the one Daleks. where they're... Yeah. You have two opposing Daleks. Essentially, what what basis is, um person on a planet starts making their own Daleks, the other Daleks comes along and find them, and then they go to war. Oh, yeah, Which because is... of the whole, well, you're impure Daleks. Yeah. Uh, so it's essentially the same sort of thing which happened there, but it's really good. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I mean, Big Finish have, all, have been producing great stuff now for years. I've just never gotten too into them. Do you know You know what I mean? When you always say, oh, I'd love to do Big Finish or I'd love to do a deep dive, yeah. and then time just slips away from you because you're busy. It's not even just time. It's They cost a lot. Mm. And I just yeah, never... Yeah, the cost isn't great. I can never justify spending £25 on a Big Finish thing. Like, if it's tenant, you can start justifying it. But, but even so, it's a lot of money yeah. to spend. I might justify it because Eccleston's coming out with a new series relatively shortly. So I might justify yeah, it Yeah, I'm considering that. Which is very tempting because I think he does need... He did need more seasons. I've been desperate for more, Chris. I, I've always liked that he had a short arc in some ways, mm. but at the same time, you could always use more Chris Eccleston as Doctor Who. He's so underrated as a Doctor Yeah, just because of it, how short his tenure was. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's because they didn't they didn't know whether it was going to be renewed, so they had to try to put as many good things as they can as that one series. And for the most part, they achieved that. 
and I'm going to ignore farting aliens here. Yeah, apart from um, the, ooh, I'm shaking my booty line um, from from <laughs> Aliens of London, there are some odd attempts at child childish humour from Davies in that. Yeah. I'll let it slide because he was trying to make a family show, but I won't let it slide again. <laughs> thank God he thank God he just does adult stuff now. It's a sin is stupidly good if you haven't um watched yeah. the, watched that. I haven't yet. I need to. It's on my things to things to watch. Just on the highest level of drama we're producing in the country at the moment. He is right up there with the best. Anyway, back on for the episode. So we were talking about synopsis. Yeah, the keys of Marinus. What on earth happens in this, Owen? Because it's a lot. Essentially, it's one of the first travelling stories, because it becomes a more common thing later on with the chase and the really long Dalek one, which we're sadly not going to be able to cover. But essentially, mm. it's a wild goose chase. So if a TARDIS turns up on a mysterious ocean island, the ocean is made of acid, and they go inside this mass, they get trapped inside this mass pyramid, which is being staked out by some guys which can best be described as thick wetsuits. Um, they, f- they find themselves introduced to an old man called Arbitan, who was forcing the Doctor and his companions out to f- on a wild goose chase to find some keys. They go to four different places where they run into different troubles every step of the way. Finally, yeah, they come back. But can they save Arbitan from the wetsuit men? From the wetsuit men. It's a properly old school caper, this one. And it feels a lot like the uh, the kind of... I'm trying to think of the exact word now for this. But you know the kind of Flash Gordon style romps yeah. where you'd go to multiple planets and have multiple things and you'd always be falling into some kind of different trap and this is definitely that yeah i really liked it honestly this for episode which i liked the most out of everything we've we've covered so far yeah and i'm gonna agree with you i think this is the one where actually doctor really starts to see its potential because the dalek one is solid it's yeah. a solid one and it's great because the daleks are so realized early on but this mm. is this is almost like a whole series packed into one in some ways. Yeah, I, I know you disagree with me on this, but I liked how it would pay how it was paced. I think the ending was a bit too short. They essentially come back from the, the last place and then it ends. Essentially, we don't really know what happens. Um, I think that could have been a bit more extended out. But I think it's in fact it was one story per episode, same five minute episode. It meant which. It, there wasn't as much time for waiting around, which we've seen a lot, even with, say, Dalek and Unearthly Child. There's just a lot of waiting. Yeah, there is. The story moves really quickly. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say, like, straight up that I think the pacing is bad because it is fast. It doesn't mean yeah. that it's bad. I think there are some points where you can't really pause for breath, and so characters are be- are doing very quick development that isn't... Mm totally believable and you're kind of having to let the jumps happen in terms of though the the one episode story structure that nation does terry nation wrote this same guy who did daleks yeah. uh he's pretty good um the structure's great and in terms of that the pacing's wonderful because you can you can see all these different ideas per episode coming in and they build on each other so that it creates this really rich story with so much going on mm. And it really does keep you entertained, keeps you gripped, which I don't think the other ones did. Yeah, well, there's a lot of lulls in, say, Daleks and Edge of Destruction, which which neither of us really liked, just never quite gets you. Yeah. But let's... Shall we talk about characters or shall we just go straight into it? 
I think we can talk a little bit about the characters because I think there's a lot of with it being such a big story. I think there's a lot of chance for development with them. Yeah. So what? Who do you want to start off with? Do you know what I want to start with? I know this is a plot. In, this is a point in plot points. It's right at the bottom, but we can yeah. kind of talk about it now. Which is Ian Motherfucking Chesterton is a legend. Mm-hmm. He's fab in this. He's properly good. What What do you mean by that? Well, is that he's properly good? Yeah. I mean, in the sense of he is a very well-defined character now. Mm-hmm. He is completely willing to stand up for himself and the people around him. He's heroic in ways and has a great deal of intelligence. I mean, yeah, towards the end, he's a little bit damsel in distress. But because he's done so much good work in the earlier episodes, like, for example, the the winter one, he's superb in. I'm I'm fairly convinced. I don't know for sure. I'm fairly convinced William Hartnell took a holiday during episodes three and four of this. So essentially, <laughs> essentially takes overall of the Doctor, making sure everyone's safe. And you know what? He wouldn't do a bad job at it. No, he didn't do a bad job at it. He did a, in for cold place abandoned Barbara with a slightly murderous man. But we can ignore that. But we can come back on to that bit later. Well, you know, he trusted him at the time. Sometimes you make these errors. You can't be perfect. But I think Ian's very well realised as a character now and, <laughs> and is definitely the the star of the show, if not for William, obviously. And did you not feel the same way for, say, Susan and Barbara? I, do you know what? I actually think Susan took a step backward. Barbara got forwards. I'll start with the good stuff. So Barbara went a little bit forwards because she has good moments yeah. in this. I like to say that Barbara's role in the team is to be the, the empathy. Yeah. I think also she starts to try to go her own way, especially in episode three, where she decides she's going to ignore what the men said and march on ahead. Mm. Well, it turns out to be very dangerous. She shouldn't, probably shouldn't have done that. But she still decided to, and it progressed in, the story In the line. second story as well, which is the one where they go to the town where you get everything you want, but it's all a, it's all a ruse. Yeah. She gets a lot to do, and she does that very well as well. Like, she's initially fooled, but when she realises that things are wrong, she's she does great in those scenes. I, I think Barbara's great, and to be honest, I wanted to chat about this. Her jumper is phenomenal. <laughs> It's a phenomenal jumper. I'd love a jumper like that. Like that little, there's a little roll neck on it, but it's not too high. It's just, it's chic. It's timeless. Barbara, we love you. You're an icon. Timeless children. (laughs) Don't bring that (laughs) (laughs) in front of me. So I think what we were just saying with Doctor, he didn't really have that much character development here because he basically wasn't around for a good chunk of it. Yeah, the Doctor comes in when it's needed. Uh, because, as you said, it's, it seems like Harder went and took a holiday for a couple of episodes. Which which works, I think, here. How did it, it worked? Yeah, I think the story works it around really well, and the mm-hmm. Doctor is able to go and do his own thing off screen. Then we go back, we get, we get a quick catch-up of what's been happening, and then he goes off and gets to do Doctor things. And it, and it works well. I think all the characters, with the exception of Susan a little bit, are very well handled, including the new characters. Yeah. So shall we shall we go on to the different plots then, which happen? Yeah. Um, try and try and dive through all of it. So I think I'm first of all going to. Here's a question for you: Is there much in episode one you want to discuss? Episode one just kind of feels like the setup, doesn't it? Yeah. We can it, we can go through it quite quickly. It's pretty much what I said in the synopsis. They end up on a 
on a, what looks like a tropical island. The water's made out of acid. They find a pyramid. They get trapped in there. They find um, Arbitan, who gives sends them on a quest to find the keys. Yeah, it's very much a setup. But there is one thing I do want to bring up out of this, although it does okay. come up in three. Um, you know the bit, you know the bit when um, Susan gets taken from like there's the revolving bit in the wall that yes. sort of goes around and takes her around the other side. That is hilarious to watch. <laughs> They're just being pulled back on this revolving wall. It really got me. I had to I had to replay it a couple times before I could move on. I was gone watching that. And also when um the Vord, when um Ian and Arbiter yeah. are attacked by the Vord and they fall into this seemingly endless pit. That's just actually screaming. so much. That's one of a few notes I've got on episode one. Um and it's a full quote from my from what I wrote down. Visual effect when the suited guy Ian fights fall through the trapdoor is bloody amazingly bad. It is so bad. It is absolutely brilliant. It is. I encourage you all, if you don't have BritBox, <laughs> go get the free trial of BritBox. Go and click on episode one of the Keys of Barriers. <laughs> About 15 minutes in, if you see that, you have seen every bad monster movie ever <laughs> rolled into one. The worst thing is, it isn't even neat. They could have just shown him falling through a trapdoor. But no, they just they went for the full effect. <laughs> which, and and so I admire bad. that they did. It's yeah. bad, but but it works. I think it still works. But yeah, that's episode one. We don't have to go too much into that because it's just the setup of you need to find these keys, which are in different locations. Yeah. So do you want to go into talk about episode two synopsis and we can talk more about that? Yeah, straight in. Do you know what? I've uh, This shows you how well prepared I am for these podcasts. I haven't got the notes up for what the episode titles are. <laughs> I can remember some of them. So there was uh, the Sea of Death is the first one. The second one is called the Velvet Web. Velvet, yeah, that's why it's kind of poncy title. Uh, it doesn't really describe the story as much as the Sea of Death does. <laughs> but yeah, in the Velvet Web, essentially what happens is the characters travel for the first time to a different place using something called a travel dial. S- travel dial. So I was going to call it time dial for a second. I was like, no, they don't do time travel. Um, and they end up in a village where, or a culture where they seemingly get everything they desire. And they arrive mm. and Barbara is lavished out in this gorgeous dress, eating grapes. And they're given pretty much everything they want. But yeah. it turns out it's all the ruse. Yeah, so their brain has been controlled to make it seem like you're in a luxury place by essentially a bunch of brains. Um, yeah, nothing like else. consciousness is controlling things. For more for... For Morpho, or I think it's called Morpho, for, Morphon. Yeah, the Morphon, I think. They're like brains with eye stalks. It's quite amusing. What I did find funny about the way Morphon is d- is done, or yeah. is destroyed, is Morphon's presented as some kind of higher being throughout that has a lot of power, mm-hmm. can control this town. You know, he ends up basically in- mentally enslaving Ian at one point to almost choke Barbara to death. But the only the way that he's killed is just with a bit of a hammer anyone yeah. could have done that <laughs> come on it's not that big so what i wrote down in my notes is that it very much reminds me of a game from i think like 2016 called we happy for you i've played said, it but the, essentially the entire plot is um for german germans invaded britain during world war Two, and they essentially drugged everyone with a pill called joy which made everything around them see perfect, rainbows, amazing. But as soon as that joy wears off, 
you see it as rats covered in rats. It's covered in sewage. It's horrible. Oh. And it just reminded me so much of that because that's essentially what happens here. They they get brought in. They get they don't get even drugs. They kind of like get their brain waves adapted to see everything is amazing. Everything mm. is silky. Well, in fact, if as soon as that effect wears off, it's disgusting. Yeah, and it is exactly that. They're kind of in this mental psychological game, and you're not sure what you're seeing is real. Um, yeah, and characters get enslaved. And one of them, who is called... Is it Altos or Arta? It is Altos. Is enslaved at the start, but ends up actually accompanying the team as we and move so, on through the search. So does Sabinath. Yes, who is Arbatan's daughter. Yes, yeah, so these two people were sent through with the time double. They were previously sent through people who got brainwashed by the Morphons and essentially became their slaves. Yeah, but... After the Doctor and Co. free them, they decide to split up, which is where, or the reason why Hartnell isn't in episodes three and four. I liked episode two, episode three even, but I don't remember much of what happened. Uh, So this is the Screaming Jungle, which not a a great deal does happen. Essentially, Susan starts hearing these really loud whispers effectively which sounds like an oxymoron when i say it like that but mm. they're essentially these whispering noises that are very pervasive which are supposed to be like piercingly painful yeah at least it's that's how they go for it it's, yeah. it's hard to do it on a set that costs about three quid but they try um barbara decides to move ahead of the group and gets caught in a trap where they meet a sort of biologist oh yes knows some information about the keys for scientists who essentially made a massive trap tra- laid his entire area full of traps to try to one stop people coming in and we later find out there's something a bit odd about this forest they're in it's not just that it screams what's happened and this is a really cool idea that would have been great for even a modern who story yeah is that a growth accelerator has been used in some way on this bit of jungle and because of that the jungle moves much faster than nature hasn't, usually would. Hasn't this all essentially been used on a modern Doctor Who? Because they Has had, it? I can't remember what Doctor it was. I think uh, when they turned the entire earth into a massive forest. Oh, no, I do remember the one with the massive forest. Now I think about it, I think it was um, early Capaldi. Yeah. I know Clara I was there. I, I don't remember it getting memory. very good reviews. I don't think it got very good reviews. Yes, that's right. It was in the forest of the night. Uh, they're not threatening trees, though. They're nice trees, it turns out. I just had and, a look back through. And just for the audience, James didn't just remember that. He spent around three minutes researching it after just to cut it all out. He is not that Owen, good at remembering. Owen, we need to have a conversation about <laughs> when you shut up. <laughs> well, let's be honest here. This entire podcast has just been a showcase of how bad I am at remembering words. <laughs> yeah, no, that did take me a good three minutes. Complete slip from that. Uh, maybe it's because the episode's not that good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's done much better in this. In yeah, um, Keith Marius, I, I actually really liked, really liked how, as you were saying, I feel like all of these stories, excluding the overarching story, could have been done yeah. really well in Modern Who. Yeah, they're all really decent ideas. And they're just like little parts of this one serial. I think they all could work on their own. Potentially with the exception of the snowy one, which is episode four. 
I actually disagree with you there because I think you could do a lot with that. It would just be more character based and yeah. you play on the whole thriller aspect rather than the that'll give himself away so I... quickly. But we'll move on to Thor in a minute, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I just don't really remember that much happening in Thor. Four is more, I think, a psychological game in a lot yeah. of ways, which is fine because if you do that, you don't actually have to have a lot happen. It's more about mm. the doubt when things aren't happening. Yeah. Actually, should we anyway, move on to four because we've covered yeah. three quite a bit. Um, yeah. So after the jungle incident, Ian and Barbara use their travel dials to get out of the situation, and they arrive in a snowy tundra. Yes, where they all fall asleep because it was so cold. <laughs> However, we then cut because um, Alios, Atios went ahead of them at this point here so they weren't with them that's actually something we should mention about episode three um so initially when they, they found the key which they thought was a real key so to be fair and atios and i think susan went on ahead yeah Atios and susan went on ahead uh with Sabina and and in Jessen and uh barbara stayed ahead realized it was a fake key and then went through season three so they, they get separated yeah, and so in four, they arrive in the same tundra, fall asleep in the cold. But then, as you've written down here, Ian, after they're rescued by this guy, Vassal, is allowed mm. to go out and find Altos, who's been bound and is out in the snow with no trousers. Was, yeah, because Altos' entire costume, for some reason, has no trousers. And that's no problem. We have no problem with a confident man. But no. it's a lot. <laughs> And when the plot doesn't align up, we will pick it apart. <laughs> this is what we do. This is definitely what I do. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, I, I... It was a good episode, but I don't feel like there was that much there. Not a heap. It's one of the weaker parts, but I do like the stuff with Vassal once we start to realise that he's got nefarious purposes and how that's mm. done. I think they could have maybe held that a little longer and kept up the nice act for maybe five more minutes yeah, just to add, add some doubt into the mix because he kind of gives himself away quickly. I think, however, that's more to do with the runtime of the episode because I don't think they could have fitted in all the stuff post him coming out of being evil if they did it any later with it within 25 minutes. Yeah, it's they are confined by the runtime, but for what for what it is in 25 minutes, it's still a very strong... Nice hook episode. Yeah. So they find the key in a in a block of ice surrounded by demons, which were never actually described what they were. They're just kind of things. It's yeah. just a kind of a common theme throughout this. As much as I do like this this serial, there's a lot of unexplained things. Which They're just like, oh yeah, me. don't worry about it. This is happening now. Yeah. Enjoy them dying. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't which... one of them run straight off a building? Uh, right, right off the ledge and yeah, right off the ledge. Yeah, <laughs> they, removed, they removed a rope bridge. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny effect again. If you like people falling over, please do check out the if keys of Mariners. If you think of a typical terrible sci-fi scream, that is what is done every single time. Yes, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of work. Yeah. So they find think the... of like old school sixties Hollywood. Sorry, I was yeah. tangenting there. Oh no worries. So they find the key in a block of ice, where they then all all four of them is it no five of them I can count 
Yeah, it's fine. Use the travel dial to go to the, the final stop of place where Ian Chesterton is accused of murder. Comes out of nowhere. You think that you've been through the ringer on genres. You've had a kind of thriller thing with the jungle, which is a bit action-based. You've had a slightly yeah. psychological thing in the snow. And then you end up in this courtroom drama out of absolutely nowhere because Ian's framed. Yes, framed. And this comes back onto what I was saying before about how nothing's really d- explained. I don't know why there was tr- what was going on, why they framed him or anything. It seemed that they wanted to steal the key yeah, from its location in order to potentially have power over the machine. Because that's the whole point of the keys. Yeah. You have all the keys, you control this amazing mind machine. But all, but how are they going to get uh, the other five? The other four? That's a start, isn't it? <laughs> I isn't... think the idea was they weren't even thinking about Ian at the time. He was just there, so yeah. they used him. Yeah, but... The idea of them getting the key in my eyes doesn't make much sense. It's not... You don't see what the motivation to get the key is other than, ooh, that's a powerful key. Yeah, that's it. That's all. That's the only context we're given is, ooh, that's powerful. Anyway, though, we do get a very interesting thing about justice because I actually think there's a lot of themes going on in Keys of Marius, mainly about justice. And yeah, the idea is that Ian is basically guilty until he's proven innocent because of the accusations of the guardians, um, which are the kind of police interrogation force here, are so trusted yeah. that to in order to go against it, you need proof. Yeah, because a guy even confesses to stealing the card and they still go, no, Ian Cheston is still guilty. Yeah, because they view that he would, that he still could have put him up to it. And that yeah. is considered essentially law because these people are meant to be lawmakers. It's 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 taken from what we what we have, which is innocent to proven guilty. Abs- you've got to be absolutely sure this guy's guilty to more sort of like a civil court where you've got the more side of possibility. Yeah, and what eventually happens is it's very difficult to find. They have to find positive proof, which proves more and more difficult as they search for it. All the while, yeah. they're still trying to find that last key. And also at one at the end of courtroom thing. So I think that we might be merging the last two episodes together because they're essentially one story. So that yeah, might be happening. Five and six are kind of one. Yeah. So they go down the murder mystery essentially, trying to work out who committed the actual murder. Where the doctor is playing sort of investigator stroke lawyer, um, and then here in the courtroom, and Susan gets kidnapped. Happens a lot. Yeah. That does happen a lot. Susan just gets kidnapped and screams. There's not a lot for her to do. Yeah, that is actually true. It does feel like a lot in these stories, they're struggling to find things for Susan to do. Which I suppose comes back into what we've previously discussed about the modern Doctor Who time team. They struggle with three companions because there's just not much for them to do. I mean, it's not so much that they struggle with three companions, it's that they struggle with three shills that are meant to be characters, but just haven't been written like them. If they were written like characters, it'd be a lot better. Am I going to have to cut her out more of you ranting about New Who? No, I'm not ranting about New Who. I'm just bringing that up because I I genuinely think that this set of three companions works a lot better yeah. because they are stronger characters. I, I think you're right in that sense, but I also feel they are just struggling to find things for Susan to do. They are struggling with Susan. She's not as defined as the other two and doesn't have as much agency, which doesn't but- help. We could be missing that out from Marco Polo, though, because that could equally have happened in that story. 
That is true, and we don't have the context for that. And then what else happens in the in the courtroom drama? Well, a lot of mad stuff happens in that courtroom drama. Namely, uh, a man dies. Oh yes, the guy who who I said who, who basically stood up and went, "I I took the key," or something along those lines. I murdered mm. him, and then he dies because of a massive conspiracy. Yeah, a whole cover up. And he dies right in the middle of the courtroom. Basically, it's just a flash and he just straight up dies. How he dies? Eh, who knows? I think we're led to believe he got shot by one of their guns. Yeah, it's it's not well sold if it is a shot. Um, I'll tell yeah, you that. It, it goes into more of what we were saying. None of it, you're just expected to go with it. None of it's explained to you. Yeah, you're just like, don't worry about how he died. The, the twat's dead now. <laughs> just accept How he died this. or why he's died, he just is. And then Susan is kidnapped um, by this kind of shadowy organisation that's doing this cover-up. By her, by his wife. Yeah, which turns out to be his wife. And she's done this whole act of being hurt about her husband's death. Really, this is all her plot. It within the conspiracy to get the key. We're never really con- told why they've got this conspiracy around the key. It's just they do. Yeah. Deal with it. I and they go what, in and get it all sorted. From what we discussed about this episode, for one thing, I don't like it. It's yeah, it's got like the elements you want. Yeah, out it's of like a courtroom it, thing, but they don't come together well. It's impactful, but then as soon as you start thinking about it, there's not much meat to it. Yeah, it's it's very superficial, and it doesn't really yeah. work as a narrative. But you know, there's good bits. Brings us on to the end of the courtroom drama where Ian is found not guilty, but then. Then we then go back to um, from our main starting off point where we see Arpatan's died. Oh yeah, um, that comes out of nowhere. <laughs> well, he died at the beginning of the first episode, didn't he? Hmm. Um, and the VAR attempt to trick Ian into giving him the key. The final key. Hmm. But Ian but, tricks them with the fake key that they've still kept from episode three. Did you get that twist? How... Did you notice that think that twist was coming up? Because I did. Yeah, I noticed. It was cool. it was nicely done. Actually, yeah, it was quite nicely done. But the rest of the ending um, does fall a bit flat, doesn't it? Yeah, actually, I think that twist would have worked in if, when you think about how this was would have been broadcasted. Because that, that he got that key three episode three three four weeks ago. Yeah, I think it would really work back in the broadcast. I so, agree because obviously so if, we'll have binged these. Yeah, so the audience would have completely forgotten what has happened previously. Yeah, it's a nice, oh, of course, moment, mm. which is how a great twist works. Yeah. I do think, as a as a set of episodes, it is, by and large, really well done. Yeah, it, I think it's it hits the right points, but it misses the context around those points. Yeah, it's very superficial. Yeah. And just goes, oh, this is nice, isn't it? Great. Well, don't think about it too much because, boom, here's another thing you need to be worried about, which is cool. Mm. But there's not so much depth there. Perhaps there's one, that's one thing where it lacks. Yeah, because this entire thing where they find Arbitan's dead and all that stuff happens in around the last five minutes. They mm. they leave, Arp- they realise all this stuff and they just take Artos and Sabina away from the pyramids because the pyramid gets exploded. Yeah. And then and then the doctor just kind of goes, there you go, go live. And we comes out there going, <laughs> yeah. this, this doesn't feel like a good ending here. 
Well, they get a kind of love arc, which I think is yeah. their way of going, well, they're in love, aren't they? So it doesn't matter if they're dead. Um, I wish... I really liked them as companions. I wish we had them more. Yeah, I thought I thought Altos in particular was really fun. He's, yeah. he's very much... Like, I know they're trying to sell him as like an alien being, but he is just a 60s public schoolboy. He reminded me of um, the guy from Family of Blood <laughs> and Human Nature. I can't remember his yeah. name. Like, Blaine or something like that. Yeah, I... I wish we had more of them. I wish they were around for more serious, but obviously they already have a full TARDIS. They can't go adding more people to it. Yeah, imagine a, imagine a six-person TARDIS. I mean, Russell did it for one or two episodes, and that was hot. Yeah, I think there becomes a limit of how many people you can have. You can't balance out that many characters. I mean, no. the TARDIS is big enough, but the script certainly isn't. I wouldn't want to write it. No. So I think we're at the end then, aren't we, really, of this? Yeah, we've basically made it. We've managed to make it way through. So I think we need to do what we normally do at the end of these. Out of give 10. Out of 10. How, how about you, you start, Owen? How about you start? I don't know. I started to think it would be a 9. Yeah. But I think by the end of it, I'm going to give it around an 8. See, I was going to give it an 8. I think it's pretty much slap bag of 8. I was thinking about this earlier, though. These These points were giving things. We're, these these are going to have to massively change when we start yeah. actually getting things because when we start getting into like new who and things which are really high energy which we really like these eights and nines we're giving are going to look terrible no actually i disagree i think this genuinely is quite good um there are moments where it isn't but uh, by and large i think it's a really good story and it and it gets us closer to kind of what makes doctor who really great there are a lot of new who stories i think are to be to be honest, so you know there will be low scores there, yeah, and there will be very high scores there as well. But be a nice if you're balance. thinking about it, though, you're giving this one here an eight. But what are you going to give Jensen for Dalek? Oh, is this, is this, is this, is this go only, hard. Is this only two points higher than Jensen for Dalek? Look, we don't have to worry about that until we get there. <laughs> is is my is my view on this? Yeah, there's a good chance we don't get there, so we can just ignore that. Yeah, we we might never have to consider it. <laughs> but if you would consider giving us giving us a follow or sharing our podcast, we might be more motivated to get there. And subscribe. Absolutely. Especially on YouTube, where apparently we're doing much better than other places. Yeah. I don't want quite don't quite know why because it's purely an audio experience. Sometimes things go like that. Yeah. Um But yeah, I think we've made the end. Yeah, so remember to follow us on Twitter at Black Archive Pod. You can email us um, at blackarchivepod at gmail.com. And also, because some of you may know me for this, uh, this is the first episode of the podcast we're recording after the release of The Long Drive. Oh, uh, of course, you have to pro- self promote it here. It's. It's it's really we're not far off from the release. It's been about three days when we're recording this. Um, the long drive is a two-hour audio thing that I directed and wrote and edited. Um, which, if you can find it on my Twitter, if, at, if James yeah. reminds me too when I upload this, I'll put it in the description. Yeah, it'll be somewhere. Um, I personally think it's really good fun. It's very unique. You probably haven't heard anything like it before. It's got some great actors involved. Um, if you've got two hours spare um, it'll be worth your time so thank you very much for listening I suppose we better get our travel dials ready and travel off to the next episode which is uh, the Aztecs the Aztecs
Yes. yes, we should go. We should go back to the Aztec period very quickly. Although we, these dials don't work in time, uh, we can ignore that. They're, they're now time dials. <laughs> oh, I think now they're now yes. time dials. I've, we have innovated over for years. Aren't time dials just vortex manipulators? Yes, but they're for traditional ones. So let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Info Black Archive. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please remember to subscribe. 